You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Today we have a special uh, privilege during our lesson. We're going to get to hear from a brother who uh, is such an incredible hero in the faith, uh, having overseen the work in East Africa for many, many years, uh, baptized in 1991 in Nairobi. Um, married, three children, uh, two grandchildren, and just a hero amongst our fellowship, working in the uh, African uh, ministries for so many years. Currently, he leads the church in Zambia. He has been he studied uh, counseling in college. He's furthering that now with a, a counseling degree, a master's degree at the Rocky Mountain School of Ministry. But we have a privilege today. To hear the word of God preach from a tremendous evangelist, brother in the faith, John Kalaha. Let's give it up for him at this time. All right. Good morning, church. So where I come from, we say, Muribwanji. So when I say Muribwanji, you say, Bueno. It's like Spanish, you know, African Spanish. So, Muribuanji. Bueno, that's right. <laughs> but definitely it's a tremendous privilege of mine to be here and such a privilege and an honor to stand before you brothers and sisters and to be able to speak uh, from God's word. You know, um, definitely, you know, uh, when you meet brothers and sisters, whether you've, ne- you've met them before or not, it's just so, the, the spirit is amazing, you know. And just uh, uh, being able to fellowship with the several of you earlier on before we started, it's just so encouraging. The welcome, the hugs, you know, the, the, the words of encouragement, it's just so great to be here. And uh, it's just such an awesome privilege of mine to stand before you. Um, at least uh, I've been in the LA ministry uh, in 2022. I came down there, my wife and I, and we were able to spend some time with the brothers and sisters there. And so it's, so, it's such a privilege to be here with all of you from the West Side. And, um, you know, last Friday I was at their staff meeting, and it was just so great to be out there and be able to fellowship with the brothers and sisters who serve you every single day. Uh, now, I didn't come with my wife, but I have a picture, so you can be able to see that she makes me look good, so let's see. All right, so, um, is it on the screen? Okay, there it is. Oh, sorry. So that is uh, my wife, a beautiful wife, and uh, that's my son, Jason. My son is uh, 19. He's in his first year of university. My daughter, our last born there, uh, she's 16. She just cleared high school. And so waiting to see what to do next. And then I have an older daughter who is, uh, who doesn't live with us. She's actually married right now. And that's her, uh, with her family, our two grandchildren, a 10 year old Michelle and three year old Leo. All right. And then, uh, those are, uh, your brothers and sisters in the church in Lusaka, Zambia. You know, so that's, uh, <laughs> that is, uh, um, one of our Sunday services. Uh, we also have online services, so that's not everybody. But those are your brothers and sisters. And uh, that is uh, our leadership uh, team, our family group leaders. 
and one of them is actually uh, from here. <laughs> Can you guys see a, a, a familiar face in the background there? That is Robert Carrillo. So that's uh, in 2022. <laughs> so Robert Carrillo is in my leadership team. <laughs> no, that is, uh, he had actually visited our church and we had a workshop, a family group leaders workshop. And so he was speaking at that and we took up that picture. I knew it would be great for you to see a familiar face in there. But uh, so that is our family group out there. Now, God has been doing amazing things uh, out there uh, with our church in, uh, in Lusaka, Zambia. And so we have uh, a building project that we have actually uh, in, uh, started off. And so, you know, we're looking forward to uh, putting together, you know, a building that will house uh, God's people, you know, and just, uh, of course, continue uh, to use it to serve God. And so that is just a part of the, uh, that's the vision. We're not there yet. That's the vision. Okay, and then that's the building itself. And then uh, that is the back side. And then that is the inside, the inside the auditorium. And that is, uh, you know, the stage. And we're going to have a baptistry on the stage there. So we're looking forward to that. You know, that is, uh, you know, part of the, you know, the vision that we have. And, you know, we are basically calling this the Nehemiah uh, Project. Because right now we're studying through the book of Nehemiah. And uh, if you have read Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18, the Bible says, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And guess what? We actually have started that good work. So you can see the trenches. This is the first phase. That's the, um, you know, the, 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 the foundation we already started. And that's all the building materials that are there right now. So that's where we are at right now. And we are praying and, of course, asking God to open up our hearts and to help us out. You know, that's, uh, those are our costs. So it's going to cost 400,000 U.S. dollars. And uh, the brothers and sisters have been working hard. We've actually raised 65,000, which is now gone into the, into the foundation. And the shortfall is 335,000 uh, dollars. And so if your heart is moved and you'd like to help out, you're very much welcome to help us out. And uh, those are the bank details. I'm going to leave them here. I'm, no pressure. It's just I'm, I'm sharing. <laughs> and so, and then, so please help us build God's sanctuary at Zambia International Church of Christ. Amen. All right. Great. Let's go to God in prayer. Then we get into the message this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and care. We thank you for the great God that you are. You are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Father, we stand in awe of your majesty. Father, we don't have anyone else that we can run to except of you, almighty God. I pray that this morning we come to you and we want to learn from you. Lord Almighty, as I stand up here, Lord, Father, I'm just a vessel, Father. And I pray that you will use me greatly to share your word. Show me what to say and how to say it. I pray that you open up all our hearts, God, so that we can learn from your word. Father, we love you, we bless and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hear that we've been focusing on Jesus. We've been focusing on Jesus through the book of John. Amen. And so... Yeah, let's get going to the book of John. So I'm just titled it, Focus on Jesus. That is the lesson this morning. And we're going to be in John chapter 2. So let's go on to John chapter 2. All right. Good, how are you all doing? Doing great? 
So in John chapter 2, in verse 1, the Bible says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tested the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Most probably Jesus told them, don't tell anyone. <laughs> so then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did Sorry, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Amen. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Jesus and his disciples have been invited to a wedding. We all know about weddings, isn't it? You know, we all love weddings. When you go to the wedding, um, you know, you're looking forward. I know for the sisters, man, that's usually a very big, big uh, deal for the brothers we're always waiting okay where when are they going to serve the food but for the sisters they are thinking man how are the bridesmaids dressed you know what about the decor what colors and things like that isn't it you know oh how about the bride when she comes down the aisle how is she going to be looking she's going to be smiling she's going to be crying and all those things all right you know, and then the wedding begins and everybody's excited, everybody's clapping and all that. And I believe that's what was going on out here, you know, in Cana of Galilee. But they did not know what was going to happen next. When the banquet started, now the wedding banquet started, you know, midway through the, 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 the banquet, they ran out of wine. Now, for those of you who've been married, I'm sure... There's always something that goes wrong somewhere in, you know, when you're on your wedding day. You may think you have everything, you know, figured out and everything planned, but sometimes something just goes wrong. I remember in my wedding, you know, during the, uh, the reception, you know, we found out that, uh, the, the place that we had, uh, we had hired for the wedding, they didn't have any water, <laughs> any running water. So it was really crazy, but that's a story for another day. Things like that happen at weddings. At least for this one, you know, they ran out of wine. And Jesus, Jesus' mother, you know, looks, and I, I mean, we can now tell the kind of person that she was. She must have been one of those fixers, so to say, you know? One of those, and we all, are, we all know our mothers, they love to fix things, isn't it? I, I, at least my mother is like that. I mean, she, she gets into a, situa- uh, into a situation and finds there's something missing. She wants to do some, uh, everything that she can to be able to get that fixed. And that's how Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at this point. And so when she realizes that there's no wine, I mean, the wine has run out, 
you know, he tells, I mean, she tells Jesus, they've run out of wine. Then Jesus is like, but what's that to me? My time is not yet, you know. And, and you know, Mary being Mary, uh, just tells the servants over there, do what he tells you. You know, they had such a special bond with Jesus. Mary and, uh, and Jesus, I mean, his mother, it looks like they had such a special bond. And we all know how sons and mothers can be, isn't it? You know, we all know how, you know, mothers and their sons can be. You know, I actually had to get a quote. And this quote says this. Look at this. It says, everyone always talks about how well mothers know their children. No one ever seems to notice how well children know their mothers. And it looks like Jesus knew the mother, I mean, his mother so well. All right? He knew that, oh man, look at her again. Now she's involving me and my time is not even yet come and all that, you know. But she tells the servants, you do whatever he tells you to do. She didn't even listen to what Jesus had to say. Do whatever he says. But the question then is, what did Mary really know about Jesus in this situation? You know, Mary knew her son so well. All right. Most probably, um, you know, when they were, uh, you know, uh, back at home, there must have been a time when maybe they had ran out of wine. And Jesus did his thing. <laughs> you know, maybe every single time Jesus kept on replenishing the, you know, the, the, the wine cellar. You know, to just make sure that there is one all, all along. And so, that's why she knew that he can take care of this situation. And he just, she tells, uh, uh, you know, the servants, do whatever he says. You know? The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Mary, but we can see her compassion. We can see her love. We can see her, you know, her desire to help out a situation. But there's something that is so powerful in here. In verse 9, up to 10, the Bible says, When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants knew, and like I said earlier on, you know, remember Jesus would do, would perform a miracle, and then he would tell people, don't tell anybody. You know, he didn't want to trumpet his uh, name, so to say. And most probably that's what he did at this point. So the master of the ceremony did not know where the wine had come from. So the Bible says right here that, uh, you know, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone saves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. That's the ESV uh, version. So that means the wine that Jesus, um, you know, made at that point was the best. You know, it was so nice, it was so tasty, and the master of ceremony realized, hey Amen. The one, the one that we've just finished doesn't taste like this. This is quite, you know, something right here. You know, changing water into wine is not a small feat. It's not a small <laughs> issue. You know, it's like you are changing the entire molecular structure. Of the water, you know, because wine has got yeast, it has got sugar, it has, of course, the coloring, so to say, you know, all that. It's a process when it comes to wine making. Let me take you to a brief journey of wine making. Are you ready? <laughs> you know, it begins with a plant, by the way. So you plant the vine, you know, and you have to make sure that it's planted in the right soil with the right moisture, with the right water, you know. And then, 
As it grows, obviously, there is the pruning. You remember John chapter 15 talks about the vine and the branches? So you can go read that later on. But definitely that is the process of growing the vines. And then after growing, then there is the harvesting. Okay? Now, of course, when the, 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 the grapes are ready, they are harvested. And they have to be ready. They have to, have to get to a certain age for them to be harvested. You don't harvest when they are still not ready. Then after the harvesting is the pressing or the crushing of the, the grapes. And then after that, it's the fermentation. All right? You ferment so that you can, I mean, of course, now it can, um, you know, get into the, into the stage that it becomes the wine that you and I drink, you know. Of course, we're gonna, we're gonna get some grape juice after, after this during communion. All right? And then after fermentation, there is the clarification. Okay? So in the clarification, uh, like you can read on the stage uh, or on the on the screen there, you know, it's where, um, you know, the winemakers, you know, decide whether to rack or to symphon their wine from one barrel to, the, to another, kind of trying to sieve out the residues and, you know, the precipitation and all that. And then now, after that, it's now the time to bottle up, you know, and to let it age to become the good wine. Because wine gets better as it ages. You know, somebody said that the process of making wine is a bit like a, a dance. You know, that includes some science, some art, some magic. And therefore it takes time. It takes effort. And it takes dedication to be able to truly learn how to make wine. But how long did it take Jesus? In an instant. In an instant there was wine. In, was it six, six, uh, you know, water, stone water jars right there. So they had more supply of wine than they actually had when the wedding started. You know, in, in John chapter two, in verse six to ten, you know, the Bible, we've just read it, but basically it took time. It took just a minute. Let me just read it very quickly right there. So it just says right here that, um, they did so so fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. That was it. Just fill the, tank, the, the, the jars, then draw out, and wine was ready. But it takes, you know, a longer time when you start from scratch. But Jesus did it just right there and then. Amen, church? You know, I don't know about you, but you know what? We get stuck in situations, brothers and sisters. Just like at this wedding, they were stuck. They did not know what was going to happen because wine was, you know, was over. All right? You know, and so uh, they had obviously to turn to Jesus like we've just seen right here. And Jesus, uh, you know, uh, Mary, you know, telling Jesus to help out in what was going on right here. See, Jesus is able to change the molecular formula of water to turn it into wine just like that. And so if Jesus can do that, what is it that he can't do? What is the situation in your life that you would want him to turn in, to turn a water situation that he needs to turn into wine? You know, whatever situation there is, brothers and sisters, whatever um, stuck you are, wherever stuck you are, God is able to help you out. Jesus is able to turn that situation and turn it into a good situation. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 15, in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 15, the Bible says, 
The son is the image of the invisible God, that is Jesus Christ, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is a reminder of who Jesus is, brothers and sisters. You know, in him all things were created. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Nothing was created without him, right? Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Alright? It says all things have been created through him, and in him all things hold together. That's why in an instant like this, Jesus turned water into wine. He is the beginning. He is the head of the church that you and I are part of. There is nothing too impossible for Christ. He can turn any situation into a good situation. Any bad situation into a good situation. He is the beginning of everything, brothers and sisters. He is God incarnate. When you trust Him, He will perform a miracle in your life. So what is it that you want God to do for you? What is it that you want Jesus to do for you? What is the water situation that you want Jesus to turn into wine? I remember, you know, back when I was a younger minister, and you know, I had been sent to go and lead a ministry outside of uh, uh, the city, and so we are out there, and everywhere, man, I was walking to, to, I mean, to meet with the brothers and sisters, walking to church and all that, and so one time I just said, you know what, I can do more if I had a car, and so I started praying for a car, and I remember going to church one Sunday, and I said, guys, I am praying for a car, you know, and I don't have the money in the, in the bank. I don't have anything, but God is in control. And God is going to get, I mean, help me out. Guess what? Four days later, I received an email from a brother that we used to be in the singles household together. We had uh, done the bread and water ministry uh, earlier in the, in the 90s. Those of us who were around in the 90s, that's how ministry was, very tough and all that. And so he just, you know, he wasn't a member of the church. He didn't even know I had that plan. But he writes an email to me and tells me, you know what, my wife and I, we've been praying, you know, and we wanted to encourage you. We know that you do a great job out there, and so we have a car that we would like to donate to you. He was in a different country. He wasn't even in the same country with me. So you know what? I said, wow, that is just amazing, because just last Sunday, I was actually talking to the church and praying for this, and here you are. So God is a God of miracles, brothers and sisters. You know, they had to send me... They had to sell that car and send me the money because, I mean, across border, you know, uh, you, you can't bring in a car. It just, the duty and all that would just come to the amount that you would have bought the car and everything. But my first car was a miracle. My first car was a water turned into wine kind of situation. You know, there are sisters back home in, in, in Zambia, uh, you know, who are, who God is just turning their water into wine. You know, there's a sister who just, I mean, she's gone through so much, you know, in life. I mean, indefinitely in her marriage and all that. And just a, a lot has happened in her life. But, you know, she decided, you know what, I'm not going to allow this to 
basically to keep me down and discouraged. I want to do great things for God. And so she started a prayer, uh, quote unquote, a prayer revolution. You know, she started studying through the book of the first, the first 40 days of, no, the first, the 40 days of prayer. And so she recruited like uh, six other sisters and the seven of them went through the whole, uh, uh, you know, the whole book, the 40 days of prayer. And every day they would check on each other. Every Sunday after church, they would sit together to just uh, uh, find out how, did, how was the week, how, how did things go and all that. And they really encouraged each other. Then after the 40 days, they challenged each other. You go find your seven and you find your seven and you find your seven. And they went out and did that. And as we speak right now, there is a powerful revolution, a prayer revolution in the ministry out there in Lusaka, Zambia. And guess what? God is turning and Jesus is turning a lot of water into wine as we are speaking right now. And so the question this morning is this. When has God shown up in ways you did not expect in your life? How has he worked something good in your life that could not that you could not have pictured a situation where you were stuck and you did not know what to do just like the wedding in Cana and God and Jesus just showed up and did something incredible can you imagine that he can do that again in your life because sometimes when a great miracle happens in our lives you know we're like wow that was a once in a, a lifetime kind of situation it's you know it may not happen again God is a God of miracles Jesus is ready to continue to perform miracles in your life. This, is, this was not the only miracle that he did. That was the first one in Cana of Galilee. And there are many other miracles that, God, that Jesus performed in the different uh, you know, people's lives, brothers and sisters. And so God is able to do a lot more in your life if you continue to trust in him. Are you, are you with me, brothers and sisters? You know, in, in Deuteronomy... In Deuteronomy chapter 3, sorry, chapter 31, in verse 8, the Bible says, He is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Jesus is the Lord who goes before you. Jesus is the God who wants to be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. So do not be afraid. So I don't know what you're going through, brothers and sisters. I don't know whatever situation you are in right now. I don't know what's happening in your life or in your marriage or at your workplace or in your business. I don't know what is happening, but I know Jesus knows. And that Jesus is ready to be able to help you turn that situation into a good situation. Are you with me, church? Because Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than we think or imagine. And so I ask you, what is it that you want Jesus to do for you? What kind of quagmire are you in? And you want Jesus to help you out. So if, if he could turn water into wine, he can certainly solve your puzzle. Amen, church? He can definitely turn your puzzle and help you solve it. Put it before him in prayer. Let go and let him take care of you. He will come through for you greatly. Because Jesus is the God who calls things that are not as though they were. He's the God who spoke the whole universe into existence. He's the God who raises the dead back to life. He's the God who makes a way where there is no way. He's the God who rescued David 
from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. You know, he's the one who can be able to help you out, brothers and sisters. He's the God who turned water into wine. And he's the God who can be able to help you out as well. So I do not know what it is that you are looking for, for Jesus to do for you. But as we think about the Holy Communion right now, we're going to transition to Holy Communion and think about this very awesome Jesus who actually turned water into wine. And as we do that, let's, let's focus on Hebrews chapter 12 here. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the rest marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Brothers and sisters, this is the Jesus that you and I are talking about right now. You know, we have a great cloud of witnesses out there who have gone ahead of us. The Hebrew writer was talking about the Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 11, the different people, that, uh, the, different, uh, the different men and women who had done, who, who had by faith done incredible things, you know. And so he's saying they are out there. They are cheering for you and I. All right. They are our cloud of witnesses. Because they are out there witness, I mean, other, uh, cheering us on, let us run this race, you know, with perseverance. But the major thing is, let us focus on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And there's something that he says here that is so powerful. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What joy? The joy of seeing you and I become Christians. The joy of seeing you and I be saved from the, the clutches of the evil one and the sin that you and I were involved in before we became Christians. The joy of reuniting with him one day and living with him for eternity. That joy that was set before him is what motivated Jesus to endure the cross and to die on the cross for you and I. To endure the pain of suffering, the pain of rejection. The pain of loneliness so that you and I could be able to have a relationship with God. He says, consider him who endured opposition. Think about him. Think about it. Consider it. That's why we got to meditate on the word, on God's word a lot of times. And really be able to think about what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. And that's why when we fix our eyes on him, then we are also going to endure the different challenges that we go through. The, the challenges that Paul calls those, you know, momentary troubles, isn't it? You know, those momentary troubles, they are momentary. They are not going to be there all the time. They say, you know, tough times don't last. But tough people do, right? I believe the tough people are the men and women of faith. Men who are focusing on Jesus. Men and women who are focusing on Jesus and allowing Jesus to rule their lives and to to be able to walk with them. If he endured the pain and suffering on the cross for us, there is nothing he cannot do for you and I. So let us draw near to him. Let us worship him. Let us serve him wholeheartedly. Let us go to the foot of the cross daily. Let us be reminded of his love and of his compassion. 
Amen. So these are questions that are going to be put on the on the on the screen there that uh, we can take a few minutes and just think about, you know, and then uh, CJ is going to come up here to pray. Is it CJ or Mark is going to come up here to pray for the communion? God bless. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.